0: So now from this connection with each other and with the flowers, I invite you to picture the earth a few billion years ago. In a tidal pool, simple molecules jostle with each other, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, jostling and bumping into each other amidst the swirls of the tides. A lucky jostle happens, perhaps aided by the energy of lightning and the first amino acids form. More jostling, more luck, in the first self-replicator forms. RNA has the whole ocean to itself, but before it does too much adventuring, I'm guessing, what does it do? It evolves a membrane around it, a semi-permeable membrane that lets in some things, but not others, and lets out some things, but not others. From almost the very beginning of life, we have put up a wall to protect us from the world. And we have navigated how to open up, to let things out and let things in. Single-celled organisms kept evolving and one little lineage evolved into fish. Now, fish have mouths and gills to take in from the outside world. And they don't only exchange matter with the outer world, they also exchange messages. Fish communicate with each other using sounds, using motion, perhaps by changing color. And we are descended from fish. So perhaps we still have the urge to wiggle, to communicate, you know, hey, I found some food. Um, Fish, fish protect themselves by moving in large groups in schools. So perhaps we have inherited that behavior as well. Fish kept evolving and one lineage evolved into apes. Apes have opposable thumbs, making it easy to pick flowers. So the social cohesion of the tribe is enhanced by giving and receiving gifts. Researcher, Christopher Cropenier with others compare the, the generosity of chimpanzees and bonobos, two types of apes. Bonobos will give away food, perhaps because they live in an ecosystem of food abundance. Chimpanzees won't give away food, perhaps because they live in a context of food scarcity, but they will give away tools, perhaps because there is an abundance of sticks and rocks and these tools can help to get more food. So the generosity of apes is complex and context dependent and we are evolved from apes. So perhaps we have inherited the complexity of their generosity. So what is it like to be you in this body with this mind? The patterns are there inherited from RNA, from fish and from apes. Perhaps you're most comfortable living in a home surrounded by grass that mimics the African savanna of our ancestors. Is that what the suburbs are all about? Perhaps you are especially influenced by ancestors who lived in times of low population density when we needed to cooperate with strangers to survive and would talk to anybody. Maybe you all know that one person who loves to talk with anybody. Perhaps you're especially influenced by ancestors who lived in times of high population density when we might have been especially tied to our tribe, fending off the encroachment of neighboring tribes. So we have so many patterns in our, in our DNA, DNA that change who we are. So many patterns that allow us to adapt to tidal pools, to oceans, to trees, to savannas, and to cities. Patterns that sometimes make us open up and sometimes close up. So for me, the question arises, how has our evolutionary history prepared us to adapt to doing church together? I used to believe that church was intended to be a place where you can totally bring down your wall Completely open hearts and glowing smiles. And I do love that, I I do, but church isn't a place to have no boundary. Church is a place to have a healthier boundary. Church is a place to practice being human, opening up while still having a sense of self. You open up and share grief about something while perhaps being clear that you want care from others but not advice, for example. A lot of the challenges that communes had were from abandoning boundaries rather than learning healthy boundaries. So what do healthy boundaries look like for humans? What behavior combines the best of our evolutionary wiring with the best of our culture and our discernment? I think that one key component is mutuality. Mutuality means that we are both participating voluntarily. And I like to think of mutuality as having three levels. Level one of mutuality is the Milton Friedman level. So I wonder if there are any Milton Friedman fans here, perhaps some critics. Uh, Perhaps you watched his PBS television series called Free to Choose. For Milton Friedman, mutuality came from people having choice about who to engage with and trade with. He claimed that the quickest way to reduce poverty was for poor people to be allowed to work their way out no matter how low the going wage. So we can disagree about that. I'm simply offering it as level one of mutuality. Society organized by individual choice about what groups to be part of and what offers to accept. Level two of mutuality is the James Luther Adams level. So I wonder if there are any James Luther Adams fans here. JLA was a Unitarian minister. Uh, perhaps you read his book on being human religiously, a book about how to be human. So for James Luther Adams, mutuality includes both choice and love. It is not enough for him to have institutions that promote choice. These institutions also need to embody love. For JLA, it is not enough for us to say that we are a free faith. We also have to make the commitment that love is our doctrine. We choose to be together and we choose to love each other. Level three of mutuality is the Ada Ada Maria Asazi Diaz level. So I wonder if there are any fans of Ada Maria Asazi Diaz. She was a Cuban-American ethicist and theologian. And she developed what she called Mujerista theology. Mujerista theology means women's theology. She coined a new term because she wanted a new feminism to grow in the neighborhoods of Havana. In fact, she wanted this new feminism to grow around the lunch table, in small groups sharing stories about themselves and sharing life. So level one of mutuality is when there is choice. Level two of mutuality is when there is choice and love. And level three of mutuality is when there is choice and love and understanding. So what level are we at as a church? I think that one of the most enriching aspects of the church is the many groups that we have, whether it is the Thursday morning work crew, the book group, great decisions, covenant groups, our fabulous committees. We come together in deep ways in our small groups. My hope is that these groups uh, are experienced at level three of mutuality, choice, love, and understanding. And then we come together as a whole church on Sundays. Perhaps our Sunday services are aiming at mutuality level 2.5, let's say. There's choice, there's love, and some amount of mutual understanding, but not as much as you get in small groups. So conflict can happen when we need understanding as a whole group, when we need the whole church acting at level three. So it is easy for me to be with you. That's level one. It's easy for me to love you. That's level two. Takes an investment of time to understand each of you. And to understand all of you at once is a lot. So it is a lot for all of us to understand all of us. Back when we were fish, life was simpler. Fish get each other. Maybe you like the word grok. Fish grok each other. If one fish suddenly swerves left, all of the fish suddenly swerve left. School of fish flocks as one. So I wonder how much of that behavior, that expectation is still wired into us. One of us discovers a new social justice issue and swerves left, expecting the whole congregation to swerve left. But No, the swarming behavior doesn't happen. The murmuration doesn't happen. Our schooling instinct isn't satisfied. Instead, we have to have a conversation with every other fish and persuade them of the need to swerve left. Meanwhile, someone else is having a conversation about the need to swerve right or up or down. So our DNA has flocking behavior in it and it can be frustrating when you speak up and others don't get it. But questioning is also in our DNA. We see things from different perspectives. So how do we gain mutual understanding? Social media is a bad place to work out differences. So when we shut down a conversation on groups.io, it's not because we don't want to have tough conversations. It's because an email list is a bad place to have them. So part of interim work is figuring out which conversations need to happen and how to order the work. And where is the best place to bring our different opinions? Evolutionary biologists, uh, Brett Weinstein and Heather Hang say that for thousands of years, human beings worked out their differences by gathering around the campfire and talking things through. So a lot was on the line for hunter gatherers. So what direction should we hunt tomorrow? Should we use up the medicine on Aug's scratch? Did someone just hear a wolf? They had a lot to talk through and the tool they used was a campfire. Now they didn't talk through everything. Perhaps there was a busier time of year when action took precedence over conversation. So they also had to navigate how to prioritize their precious campfire time when not everything could be talked through. How do we gather around the campfire? We've been doing it in large group discussions about UU values. We've been doing it in small groups when a point of disagreement arises. Sometimes someone reaches out one-on-one to someone else to turn their love into understanding or with their love to invite understanding. So we will continue to connect. And during this time of reopening, we will also be navigating where to put our energy. Mutual understanding doesn't mean total understanding with a complete lack of boundaries. Mutual understanding includes understanding when a boundary is needed, and sometimes trust is needed rather than understanding, but then sometimes doubt is needed rather than trust. So mutuality is a craft, an art, it is not a science. Over billions of years, we have evolved to be semi-permeable, to be protective about what we let in and let out. Our DNA contains many social patterns and social drives, including the drive for deep connection. As humans, we need the deep connection of shared understanding, and we also need the deep connection to hold different points of view as we adapt to changing circumstances. Evolutionary history is not a story of achieving heaven on earth. There have been periods when it appeared that the moral arc of the universe bent towards justice, but progress is not guaranteed. Community is not a box you can check. It is an ongoing practice. A practice of sometimes putting up a protective wall and sometimes bringing it down. A practice of sometimes focusing on understanding others and sometimes focusing on being understood yourself a practice of sometimes feeling the love and sometimes feeling something else. In our interim conversations, we will practice. May we feel guided by love through it all. And on this Flower Communion Sunday, may we also be guided by flowers.